0: Sports about entertainment, you know, virtual events, inside the growth of Keep Fit and engagement with people at home, and how do we engage fans? And that's hard, and, and that comes with resilience, innovation, and creativity, which I think the industry has done.
1: How did SpongeBob find his way onto the
0: NFL field? Why is Lego taking the fashion world by storm? Where did all that Baby Yoda merch come from? And why are people going crazy for Captain America pajamas? We explore what makes certain consumer products stand out above the rest thanks to a little thing called brand licensing. Welcome to season two of the Licensing Mixtape, a podcast from License Global.
1: Hello, and welcome to season two of the Licensing Mixtape. I'm Ben Roberts, content editor for Amir at License Global, and today I'm joined by John Neal, commercial director for the Rugby League World Cup 2021. In just Over 200 days, the League World Cup will be back and the biggest sporting event held solely in the UK comes with it. No pressure, John. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're more than welcome. And as a rugby fan and someone who's a huge uh, promoter of what you guys do, I think what a way to start the year and I'll start a new season of the licensing mix to talk about what is essentially going to be the sporting event of the year for the UK. We definitely hope so.
0: Obviously, with events of last year, there's certain things slightly outside of our control. But yeah, we have fingers crossed that the Rugby World Cup this year will, will be the biggest event solely being held in England, which is massively exciting for everybody involved
1: well I mean obviously we're recording this in the heart of a new lockdown but luckily the World Cup 2021 is a fair distance away it's October to be precise but you and the team have already been busy tying up collaborations keeping fans engaged over 2020 tell us about the Rugby League World Cup today and the commercial strategy and how has that taken shape for 2021 yeah sure I'll answer it in two parts first but
0: telling you about the Rugby League World Cup today. A bit of an intro to the tournament um, for both yourself and, and, and the listeners. So it's, it's the pinnacle event in International Rugby League. Uh, we're a tournament, and we'll touch on this I'm sure a few times, but a tournament with a purpose. We're taking place in October, November, later on this year in, in England for the first time ever. It, it's the men's, women's and wheelchair tournaments that will all run concurrently for the first time at a major sporting event and gives us 32 teams represented by 21 unique nations so a really good global spread so some new teams so brazil jamaica norway participating for the first time that'll give us 61 matches over about a five-week period uh, we've got 21 venues so we start at st james's park up in newcastle for our opening game and we end on finals weekend at the m&s bank arena in liverpool for our wheelchair final on the friday night and then a, a double header men's and women's final at old trafford on on the Saturday so that's kind of the structure of the tournament. From a broadcast point of view really pleased that every minute of every game will be shown on the BBC in the UK so again giving us un- unprecedented reach and I guess just given I-, I touched on that purpose point before if our vision is to deliver the biggest and best rugby world cup ever very it's an ambitious project probably the single biggest project the sport's done in its 125 year history now and we're about. Creating inspirational moments. and uh, We want to engage, excite people, and ultimately leave a long-lasting legacy, which is slightly different. Probably you're not hearing too much in that mission around you know delivering matches as such. That's that's almost the catalyst to drive social change and, and social impact, which is really at the heart of what we're trying to achieve as a tournament. And we've, we've got a, a superb social impact program um, covers education, a capital grants program, you know, mental fitness, volunteering, etc. And they're really kind of crucial projects for for how we'll measure success um, at the end of this tournament. So that's the background. We, we've made some good progress. We've obviously got 12 more months to go with, with this year. We're remaining positive and, and optimistic. So from a commercial strategy point of view, um, obviously, as you say, I'm, I'm a commercial director um, in a privileged position to, to look after that as a tournament. I've been working on the project myself since 2018. So project goes back to 2015. Um, so I kind of came on board and, and did some initial work on, on some of the strategy and w- we're very much in the fulfilment and delivery of that. From a commercial perspective, our objectives, probably three areas. One's to drive revenue, so to support the, the delivery of the tournament. Second, to support some of the wider tournament objectives. So they could be to increase attendance, profile, visibility, etc. And then third is kind of a commercial take on what I touched on before about the legacy for the sport. So how we can integrate maybe some new ways of working from a commercial point of view, bring some new brands into the tournament that might hang around within the sport. It's probably worth mentioning that, that we will all, as a as a workforce, as, as teammates, we all finish at the end of the tournament. So really keen of, of what do we leave behind, um, maybe from a stewardship point of view for the sport. Some of the principles of the commercial strategy, so very much around integrated and connected partnerships. The approach is, is kind of evolving within, within sponsorship, how we can really align with, and I'll touch on probably quite a few different partners in the broadest sense across our commercial program, how we can help them support their objectives, and got a really firm commitment to data and insight, um, which really drives our approach across the different areas, and we work with people like YouGov Sport um, in in that space. We're a pretty small team, so there's there's five of us within commercial, so again, very much the strategy, given that we're a temporary organization, if that's one way of putting it, very much working with a partnership model, not really investing in huge internal teams, but but working with partners that give us scale, skills, uh, expertise, within their chosen areas so kind of an overview on the commercial program there's five key pillars and give you a bit of a background on those and where we are um, and it probably sure. gives you the full picture of where we are um within 2021 so sponsorship is all about creating those mutually beneficial partnerships the vision that i spoke about before we're trying to sell that to brands to really kind of create meaningful and integrated kind of connected partnerships uh, and As i said before touching on you know, bringing new brands into the sport. So we've got six sponsors to date: um, Evershed, Sutherland, Legal Company were our first sponsor, Deloitte, Manchester Metropolitan University, Kappa, uh, Kuna and Nagel, and more recently, a couple of months ago, we announced Kazoo who have come on board as our our principal partner. So really pleased with the progress to date. A lot more work to do. And we're still looking at bringing partners on board, and then we move into the the world class delivery of those sponsorships. So the sponsorship management, the activation. So so that's kind of the first pillar. Secondly is hospitality, so we as a team are fully responsible for everything operationally with the tournament. We, we own all the commercial rights and we also own the broadcast rights, so good opportunity, it sounds quite greedy, but a good opportunity to kind of in a good way control the tournament and, and what goes on with it, we don't inherit too much, which some other sports and events can do. So we've developed a joint venture with a company called Matchpoint, we've been on sale with hospitality actually since September, really looking at choice and flexibility. So we've got eight offerings across the 61 games and again really pleased with the initial results given the circumstances so that's hospitality which is kind of the next bit third area is in no particular order and licensing merchandise and retail so some companies that i'm sure you're familiar with working with cube as our retail partner uh, they developed our online store that launched in september the sponsorship with kappa goes across into, into kind of this area from a merchandise point of view and looking at big focus for us moving forward is new ranges of merchandise so we, we launched with the initial core range and we want to expand that out really looking at our spring range looking at our nation's ranges to maximize those opportunities across the, the 21 nations. We're also working with Ash, Ashley Holman at Riverside Brands. We brought them on board as our, as our licensing agent, really looking at third-party collaborations. We really think licensing can play a part in driving wider engagement, transcending the sport, which is a big objective for us. And then lastly, in this area, we've just finished a piece of work with SKU, which was really good, really superb piece of work, looking at our consumer style guide. So how we can extend our brand and, and try and in effect sell that to other partners, whether that be lifestyle, fashion, etc. So So that's that kind of area of licensing, merchandise and retail. The last couple is is fan Mm -hmm. packages. So, obviously, a big percentage of people that will come to our event are going to be UK-based, but subject to some of the rules and restrictions, we hope that some international fans can come and enjoy that as well. So, we're working with another agency called Glory Days. They're our international travel agent. They've recruited agents in markets. So we've got four in New Zealand and Australia, which are the two biggest areas from an international point of view where we think fans could potentially come from. And then we're looking at developing a retail program much more for emerging markets, which again, with that legacy in mind. And then domestically, really pleased with a partnership we've done with a company called TX. GB, so Tourism Exchange Great Britain, supported by Visit England. So we, we've launched a platform, it's a digital platform called Squad Trips. Uh, that's open to any business across the tourism industry can come on board and sell their products ultimately. So we offer fans a, a one transaction opportunity. They can buy match tickets, accommodation, and experiences within the host towns and cities. So very much about our agenda to celebrate our host towns and cities, celebrate civic pride um, and place ultimately. So we've launched that initially. We've got we've got more to follow. And then the last pillar of, of the commercial programme is, is broadcasts. So I touched on before, we've, we've got those rights. We have a joint venture with the IRL. who grant you the opportunity to deliver the tournament. So instead of historically them selling to a third party, we've, we've got a joint venture where we can work with them together, control the content, the commercial integration opportunities, and ultimately drive a bit more revenue for the tournament. So we've just completed tenders for the host broadcast production partner and also our international rights sales. So the deal I touched on with the BBC, we, we want to obviously do deals around the world so they're the two big areas. A, a bit of progress. We're in a really good place. I think we're probably in as good a place as we can be. Pleased with where we've got to. A lot of hard work to go for the remainder of the year. But But yeah, a a good
1: opportunity to build on and continue to build moving forward. It's hardly a surprise that with all of these major brands from principal uh, sponsors like Kazoo, which is a massive new brand in the UK car space at the moment, all the way to Kappa and what you're saying about licensing and merchandise. We'll get to licensing and merchandise in a minute. But you've had what essentially you said from 2015, um, just before the close of the previous cup, and then all the way up to now to arrange this massive machine with all of these different working parts and then to have a global pandemic thrown into the mix. From a commercial standpoint, tell us about how the pandemic is changing your execution on a couple of these uh, sponsorships or, like you say, the activation side of things, the travel side of things. How have you had to, I hate to use the word, but pivot in order to bring these brands to the fore?
0: Everyone's had huge challenges, haven't they? And and we always say there's, there's far bigger things in the world than the Rugby League World Cup 2021, with all due respect. So, but but how did we adapt well first and foremost was was internally so we looked at our staff and our workforce pretty fortunate we're we're quite a small nimble and agile business so we were able to do that really quickly um we we kind of adopted a home working approach really early um and, and Use my experience in, in what, since March, mid-March, I've, I've had one external meeting in, in one of the kind of the windows where we could do a socially distance meeting, actually was one of our tenders that we got people together in a hotel. That's the only time I've done a face-to-face meeting in in nine to 10 months. I guess off the back of that, the principle we've tried to remain productive is I think it's pretty amazing incredible what people are doing um, and and maybe changing a few habits. So, you know, we did a principal sponsorship with Kazooie. It's the biggest sponsorship that the tournament has ever done in its history and we've never met face to face. We, we we did it all virtually, which I think is pretty incredible really when you look at that. And there'll be multiple examples across other organizations as well with people that are still being productive. So always look to that with that principle. Another principle has always been around control the controllables. So, you know, let's just focus on on what we've got to do. We're we're pretty ambitious. We always a company, we kind of compare ourselves, we're a bit bit like a startup mentality so a, a lot of what we've achieved is, was delivered in 2020 so I think we're really pleased and, and proud of those achievements but it's it's resilience it's keeping people calm and working in that way no doubt look I'm, I'm not naive that we we were impacted and we moved a few things we didn't feel it was the right thing to do so we, we moved our a pre-sale window for ticketing and a, and a ballot and we, we pushed that back we pushed back hospitality sales we actually pushed back the merchandise we didn't feel it was appropriate to do it so there were some immediate considerations in that respect. And then commercially, we lost a couple of sponsorships, etc. So yeah, resilience, um, which, you know, we've touched on before, haven't we, in terms of sticking to the plan, keeping calm. The difference where we are to other sports is we're a tournament, and I'm probably stating the obvious, but we don't have an always-on income stream, if that makes sense. So we were very much at the planning and strategy phase. So we're not like a league or, you know, we didn't lose revenue overnight from ticket sales. So fortunate, I think, in that respect, that we were still able to stick to the strategy albeit we had to adjust it and we learn as we went through it but now we're getting to the point where we're on sale with everything now so you know time becomes a bit more
1: critical as we get into the year of the tournament. And even having said that, you've kept fans engaged, which is why I ask about this level of resilience, which we spoke about in our uh, previous conversation, uh, which is available uh, on licenseglobal.com. If, if you missed it. It's great. John gave some fantastic answers. But it gives you that sense of that power of sport. So when fields were left empty, a lot of people changed and redefined what they were doing like you were saying you pushed ticket sales back you at the latter stages of the year launched one range with kappa yeah. which was incredible and that kept people going and that kept the hype building how do you think this has been a bit of a chance for sport from a brand perspective to redefine its approach
0: i think i said the other day it's probably fast track sport um, and loads of other industries because it's presented challenges that people might not have looked at before so I'm a bit of an optimist and maybe i'm being far too optimistic but i, I think it's moved a lot of things on that might not have happened previously everyone's had to act sport I think again the phrases I've used before you know dust ourselves down as probably what I just spoke about with the challenges that we faced and really be resilient and I mean it's part part of sports DNA right whether you're on the field or the pitch in in terms of resilience And, and I think probably one thing that if you call it behind the scenes or off the field that that's really come to the fore I think for the industry I mean at its worst and I said that we were quite fortunate that you know sport hasn't been taking place so i think sports have had to look at themselves and think okay I'm, I'm i'm losing some big revenue streams here lost income so how do i stay active and and how do i as you touched on how do you, how do we engage fans which ultimately are a big part of that stakeholder group and that's hard and, and that comes with both resilience but also i think a degree of innovation and creativity which i think the industry has definitely done and i know we spoke before around digital and social. And I think they're some of the real tangible things that have been quite visible for people to see sports about entertainment. So, you know, virtual events insight, you know, the growth of, of keep fit and engagement with people at home. And, you know, I think sport looking at the role they play in the broader society which actually is really close to what we're trying to do and I think moving forward it's going to come to the fore even more because it's 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 required more than ever in terms of the social role that sport plays and I think we've seen that and I think we've seen sports and rights holders and organisations really adapt over the last nine or ten months and look at what role can they play albeit still through a commercial lens at times which is fine because that's what they need to do but also how can they drive fan engagement and i think the digital and social for example are two kind of really big areas where we've seen that
1: there are certain areas of growth and you're 100 correct i mean uh, a number of sports turned to esports and gaming and a lot of sports leaned on the aspect of the player which was an, an accessible factor within the sport even off the field or on the field as you say and then you've also got these fantastic ranges like i previously said with kappa which touched on fashion and sport and fitness which was another rising category within lockdown the first lockdown second and probably the third yeah. hopefully there's no fourth <laughs> and, you know people were trying to bet themselves keep fit and there was a sense of community and I think rugby as a characteristic sport has always been very good at that and especially the players themselves as well what do you see this new lockdown bringing challenge wise for that fan engagement for the rugby league specifically I think probably
0: taking a step back I think the biggest challenge is, is survival for sports I mean without painting too negative picture I I think you know revenue streams have been hugely impacted there's some really clear concerns and the wider business community so we talked about sponsorship just now you know those challenges remain for sports so I think first and foremost it's how do they survive this period of time Secondly, opening back up, what what does that look like? You know, when, how, how do they get the teams playing sport? How do I get fans through the door, et cetera? So that's probably when we are in a position where we've got some confidence for for crowds to return, people to come back off furlough. I mean, there's, there's so many people that I know across the industry that, that aren't working, unfortunately, at the moment like, across sport. So once we get people back, then you've got the stakeholders. So that there'll probably be a lot of players that just haven't been playing sport. As you said, doing the kind of keeping fit, not training as groups. And uh, you've got the staff implications of getting people back you've got the commercial modeling which sports have got to do you've got the impact on fans you know there's going to be a huge amount of people who've obviously lost income over the last year or so just under a year so I don't think there's a, unfortunately it's not an easy answer and I think there's some of the main things that sport has got to look at overall and then hopefully I think that durability from within the sector is key I think it's very innovative and creative I think there's a huge passion and desire for people to get back to live sport I and mean, clearly our research shows people are missing live sport I think when we did our pre-sale and we did our ballot that, that came through people just want something to look forward to so i, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction hopefully there's definitely the intent from the industry to get back to where we were before and if not probably using your point before if not we, we've advanced maybe in areas that we might not have done before if these challenges hadn't been thrown in front of everybody
1: maybe i'm a bit like you maybe i'm a bit of an optimist but i remember 2017 i remember australia's victory over england unfortunately uh again but I was there in the pub with basically the whole country was what it felt like. It was extremely tense. It was, I don't know, it it was an extreme connection with everyone that was watching that game. And it felt that way to some point across the whole of the cup. When lockdown ends and i'm going to sound like a little bit preachy on this probably but when lockdown ends i do believe that community is going to be a massive thing and sport is one of the most powerful tribal communities out there so when we do return i do think there is going to be that october rush of the cup moving into november and obviously you've got the brilliant move of placing the men's women's and uh, wheelchair cups all in the same place so you have that huge inclusive crowd movement and i think that's exactly what the country is going to need. And personally, I don't think there's too much optimism you can throw at it. I think it's going to be fantastic. I really do. I mean, focusing more on the consumer, yes, unfortunately, the economy is a, a, a worrying standpoint from all of us, frankly. But in terms of products, build that community and build that engagement uh, on the run-up to the Cup, what are you seeing that's going to work well for the Rugby League World Cup in 2021? Are there certain categories, products? Are you bringing stuff out that you're particularly excited about in terms of licensing and merchandise? There's a number of different touch points for the tournament as we kind of move much
0: closer, what, are we 10 months away? There's a few things coming up just a note. So I touched on the pre-sale and the ballot that we did previously, so we will go on general sale. So we're looking at that maybe towards the end of, of Q1, subject to, to kind of what's going on in the world, but but hopefully we can run our, our general sale. We know from our research, as, as you just said, that there's a big desire for people to come back to sport. So, you know, we are planning for full stadiums across our 61 matches. Um, and getting up to three quarters of a million people coming to the tournament's always been our plan um, and, and that remains so, so. So that's a real critical point in terms of our engagement and we're developing that activity for for general sale. Really pleased with the two previous windows. We've exceeded our expectations of, of where we wanted to be. So that is a big milestone for us. Other ways, I mean, people for this tournament can get involved in many different ways. And I talked about our social impact programme before. So in a couple, this month, um, we're, we're hoping to launch our volunteer program so we've launched it previously with people registering their intent their interests so we had several thousand people that have come on board again way above where we thought we would be interestingly a lot of people from outside the core fan base which was you know not sitting on a database currently so we allowed that that transcending the sport as you said before bringing people from within communities to come and engage with the rugby League world cup and the benefits that volunteering provides confidence skills etc so that is a, a really big program that we're going to be launching we're also looking even further ahead of, of what at the end of the tournament, what is it we're leaving behind? You know, how do we talk about what worked and what didn't and and for the future success and learnings for, for the sport and the tournaments moving forward. So they're kind of some of the wider areas, definitely working with Riverside in terms of engaging from a, from a licensing point of view, we've still had some good conversations in the last few months, uh, since you know the work we've been doing with SKU and with a consumer style guide, even though a lot of businesses have been clearly impacted. We've got a couple of licensing deals, which we've done and shortly will announce, and obviously let you guys know. Um, really looking at that apparel space. I think that's a good area for us. Accessories, publishing, so, you know, I think there's some real opportunities in the year of the tournament around publishing, uh, including calendars, et cetera, and also collectibles. So really wide ranging uh, our approach to licensing is this is what we're about. How, how does any of that work? For potential licensees a lot of people naturally are interested in bbc exposure the reach of the tournament what we stand for positioning so really flexible again that nimble and agile the ability for us to kind of develop relationships with people and hopefully come up with collaborative licensing agreements and that's very much the plan and as i said a few early successes and and we've got 10 more months to go
1: at it well i mean like you were saying it's um licensing and merchandise is one way to transcend the sport and kind of bring the game off the pitch and i think it's incredibly important i'm looking forward to hearing more about the collaborative nature of of everything that you're working on over the next 10 months um i'm going to ask you a very difficult question um (laughs) and it's not going to be will australia win it again what do you expect to see for rugby if not sport in general over the next few years whether that's fan engagement whether that's a change to you know run times whatever you see changing could be minute could be huge I think a
0: continuation of what, what I said before, I think the immediate challenge is going to be looking at commercial models, how how do sport at different levels from elite down to grassroots level, how, how do sport survive and provide those opportunities and, and that coming out of the back of the pandemic and everything that's been thrown at sport I think is going to be the biggest challenge. I, I think we're going to see fan engagement continue. So, you know, the role of technology, looking at the role of digital looking at fan engagement it's becoming more competitive so and people's time is becoming more precious so so that is a challenge that that sport has got and we touched on it before around fashion I think collaboration I think moving sport getting closer to things like music fashion technology etc I think is only going to increase and, and almost blending sport and its position within that wider sports entertainment piece and then probably lastly and this is much closer to us I, I think the role of sport moving forward in terms of its social purpose I, I really think sport has made some huge advancements in the last 10 years or so but i, I think it's got a lot more progress which you can give and i i think we've seen examples of that during the pandemic and i think that's going to come to the fore even more and, and as i said before it's very much where this tournament comes from it, it, it's positively contributing back into society and rugby league's part of the fabric of many communities particularly within the north of england and a lot of those are, are very deprived communities so The the strategy for this tournament was all about providing positive social impacts to people that need it within that region and using rugby league as the hook. So I touched on volunteering before, great if people from communities within those areas come and volunteer for the tournament, benefit from it and then take that forward so they might we want them to continue in volunteering might not be in the Rugby League World Cup might be in the you know local club or something like that so that's very much where we come at it from and
1: I think that's a trend which we'll see more in sport moving forward well I think it sounds like community is is a big driver this year in general it sounds like the social impact programs that you're creating are hugely exciting and I'm really looking forward to seeing how those develop but I'm, I'm aware of the time so I'm going to let you go John but I do want to thank you so much for joining us on podcast it's been an absolute pleasure
0: and and well, thank you again ben um really enjoyed it great to tell our story um and, and thank you very much for, for what you'll do for the tournament
1: as well it's hugely appreciated oh trust me don't worry i'll be there in october like i get <laughs> good to see you As always, the License Global team wants to hear from you. Get in touch with us at news at licenseglobal.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook to leave your thoughts or just to stay in the loop with the latest news. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to follow us on whichever platform you found us on and we'll be hard at work bringing you more episodes of the Licensing Mixtape. Until then, we'll catch you next time.